Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Rotato Podcast. On today's show, we are wrapping up unconventional Christmas movie month with the movie that you guys and gals voted on in our recent Facebook and Twitter fan poll. That's right. We are doing Die Hard 2, the 1990 sequel to the Bruce Willis action classic Die Hard. So, after the trailer, the Couch Potato Podcast presents to you Die Hard 2. Your wife's plane, they're going to run out of fuel in 90 minutes. L.A. Cop John McLean is back. What are you going to do? Whatever I can. Because old habits die hard. Just up to our neck in terrace again, John. On July 4th, Die Harder. Bruce Willis, Die Hard 2, rated R. All right, Adam, what's happening on this fine evening as we approach the new year? Oh, not much. Uh, you know, just the same old stuff, but also good movies and good talks about movies. That's right. Uh, did you have a good Christmas? A pretty good Christmas. Uh, not too bad. The kids uh, ended up getting a lot of toys and eating too much candy. What about you? Uh, the same. The <laughs> absolute same. Uh, mine, we, uh, I had Christmas Day and the day after off, and Kids were just being super sweet on uh, Christmas Day. And then uh, the day after Christmas, I think they drove uh, my wife and I to the brink of madness. Yeah. Whenever uh, whenever we get to that point, we always joke around and uh, tell our kids that the fire station is going to be their new home. <laughs> I would just start like I seriously might prop uh, my kids in front of the TV one day and just show them a uh, match with Rowdy Roddy Piper throwing like Adrian Adonis into a sleeper hold. Because at the end of that match at WrestleMania 3, it was a hair versus hair match. And Roddy Piper ends up cutting Adrian Adonis's hair off. Mm-hmm. So I might put that match on just to show my, like, hey, man, guys, if you keep it up, this is what's going to happen. And I'm just going to, you know, show them like Roddy Piper throwing him into a sleeper hold. And then I don't know, I might just invite like, you know, random person, like friend of ours to come over and just cut their hair. There you go. Yeah. yeah Perfect. Just, Perfect. Yeah. Next time Lucas is over here at the house is just to have him <laughs> sit with a pair of like clippers or whatever. Just like, just sit there, man. <laughs> See, then they won't do anything bad. They'll just sit there and stare at him the entire time. Like, Oh crap. I'm going to get my hair cut off. That's if they act up. They can play. It just yeah. When you know, it's really like that bar scene from Gremlins. Is how it was on Tuesday, and it's just yeah, we were just not having a. Wow. I I never thought I'd you know be so ready to go back to work that I was on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, I uh, I miss school, but not going to school. I miss school for my kids. Yeah, that's how we are too. <laughs> now they're they're going back soon. They got a nice little break, right? Um, but uh, glad you had a great Christmas, man. Uh, 
Speaking of Christmas, uh, this is the last episode in our uh, month-long celebration of unconventional Christmas movies. And we decided to make uh, the last episode uh, the fan choice. Uh, We had you guys and gals vote on four movies that you wanted to possibly hear us do. Uh, We had uh, thrown Batman Returns, which I thought was going to win, but it didn't. Uh, We put The Long Kiss Goodnight, which got no votes, which is shocking because The Long Kiss Goodnight is an incredible movie. It's actually done by the same director that... uh, did the movie we're going to do this evening. Uh, we had trading places up there, which barely lost to the winner. And we are doing die hard Two today. So, uh, looking forward to that. Um, this is a, uh, Christmas movie. At least we consider this a Christmas movie. Adam, why do you consider die hard Two to be a Christmas movie? Well, um, it's not so much, uh, the fact that it happens around Christmas because you get into the argument with people is like, just because it happens at Christmas time doesn't make it a Christmas movie. I, uh, I like to contend that Christmas movies have Christmas, uh, in some part of the plot. And, um, that in this movie, Christmas is a part of the plot. It's a part of the air travel that's going on. Uh, it's, uh, part of, um, just the the ambiance, the scenery, um, and uh, I mean, there's one point where uh, you know John McClane gets into a fight, and uh, there's Christmas decorations around, and icicles, and all sorts of fun things that only happen around Christmas time. I have uh, I have contended that I consider Die Hard to be a Christmas movie because. The movie would not happen if John McClane were not invited to a Christmas party at his wife's company on Christmas Eve. Same right. premise here at Die Hard 2. We wouldn't have Die Hard 2 if uh, John McClane is not at the airport to pick his wife up so they can go to her parents' house to spend Christmas. Right. I mean, I know you could take those scenarios and place them at any time of the year. But the events of Christmas are what caused this movie to happen. So that's why I always contend it's a Christmas movie. You and I agree that it it is an integral part of the plot. Mm -hmm. That's right. And in case you're wondering what the fuck Die Hard 2 is about, the wrong place at the wrong time again, L.A. cop John McClane takes explosive action against terrorists taking over the Washington, D.C. airport where his wife's plane is due to arrive. Pretty simple enough. Um, yep. I, uh, before we get into uh, the categories, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Bruce Willis. We didn't really tap into him too much in our Die Hard episode, and uh, I think this is only the second Bruce Willis movie we've done, but uh, just going through his uh, filmography, he's got quite the eclectic... Uh, Filmography, but uh, I always wanted to ask you the question. Um, uh, Bruce Willis, to an extent, is always kind of one of like the uh, the top action stars in movie mm-hmm. in the movie business. He's always been one of those guys, but he, I don't think he was ever quite number one. I just wanted to get your thoughts on like where would you possibly see him if you were to do like a ranking of the greatest action stars of all time? Uh, ooh, um, he'd be in my top five. What? Uh, Maybe not one. 
but he'd be in my top five for sure. I don't know where exactly he falls, but um, Die Hard's one of my favorite action movies of all time, if not my favorite action movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely in my top five. Yeah, I mean, uh, things to consider with his last uh, couple of years before uh, we found out the uh, unfortunate uh, news that he had to retire from acting due to, uh, what did they call that disease he has at as flexia or flexia or something i'm i'm he's got not sure a form of dementia now right yeah but um i don't know it, it's tough because i can't put him ahead of stallone and schwarzenegger obviously because those guys were like the biggest movie stars in the world and it seemed like bruce would always have like die hard and then he would go do other things like um I know after Die Hard, he was doing stuff like Mortal Thoughts and just uh, like, no, Blind Date was before Die Hard, but he just kind of took on a bunch of different roles to kind of prove he wasn't an action star, but he, I think he always kind of used the action star stuff to fall back on when he kind of needed, yeah. needed a hit. Well, uh, before the original Die Hard, he was really widely considered a comedian because of uh, how funny he was on Moonlighting. Right. So, I mean, they kind of, uh, when Die Hard came out, they were just like, oh, you know, this is going to be a funny movie because Bruce Willis is in it. And it wasn't a funny movie. It was was an action movie. I think that's what makes Die Hard so good is the fact that he can kind of blend the wisecracking comedy with, like, the action. Right. But yeah, after Die Hard, he did uh, Look Who's Talking. He was the voice of yeah. Mikey. Uh, Hudson Hawk. Uh, oh, Last Boy <laughs> Scout. Mortal Thoughts. Yeah, it seemed like uh, I kind of commend him for like just doing some of the stuff that he's done. But then, like, yeah, it's always seemed like whenever he needed to uh, rebound, he would always fall back on like an action flick to kind of Jolda's career back. Yeah. And and some of the action movies that I've seen him in are kind of not like triple A action. They're kind of like B movies like surrogates or um even Looper in a sense was kind of not a, a big blockbuster movie. It was I think kind of I a, think Looper did a pretty good business at the bottom. I mean it wasn't like a blockbuster, oh yeah. but Right. Yeah, I, I just, just feel going- like he does a lot of those, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of baseline action movie that's okay and and does pretty well yeah i was just looking at his uh filmography here he did uh after die hard he did in country which i've never i don't remember that one but he did look who's talking then he mm-hmm. uh came back with die hard 2 they did uh the bonfire the vanities Woof. yeah then he did hudson hawk billy bathgate last boy scout which is an underrated action flick, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Death becomes her. So it seems like he always tried to like get out of that uh, action uh, mold to try to do things. And like, of course, in '94 he does uh, Striking Distance, or no, '93 does Striking Distance. Then he comes back with Pulp Fiction, and mm-hmm. then then he did uh, North and Color of Night and Nobody's Fool. And then he came back with Die Hard with a Vengeance. Which is one of the, I, I think it's my second favorite of the Die Hard movies well, for sure. 
Well, save that. We've got uh, that coming up in our burning questions segment. Because okay. um, I might have a little bit of a hot take regarding that. Okay. But yeah, you're right. He does have a lot of eclectic uh, movies, that, and it's just, his filmography is just all over the place. He's done um, voice work for like Over the Hedge and Rugrats, and he's done action movies like Die Hard, and uh, he was in uh, Whole Nine Yards, and um, yeah, just just a bunch of different ones. All Fifth Element, like. Yeah, I mean, like for me, like I, I don't think I could put him in my. I, I love Bruce Willis. I, but I can't put him in my top five action heroes or actors of all time, just simply because, like, he kind of excels in like other stuff besides action. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, if you look at like Stallone and Schwarzenegger, like they've tried comedy, doesn't work for him at all. Um, yeah, Keanu Reeves, who I really like, he seems to be one note and stuff that he's not like. It's not an action flick, like uh, like The Devil's Advocate, as an example. That's kind of like I consider that like a supernatural drama or horror movie. Yeah, Al Pacino is like dialed up to like thirteen in that, but Keanu Reeves is very one note and wooden in it. But then you put him in something mm-hmm. like John Wick, and he's awesome. Yeah, but I think that. Uh... Bruce, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to say that that plays to um, why he should be in the top five. It's because Bruce Willis has more of an eclectic uh, talent, I guess, as an actor. Yeah, I don't I, know. I like it. I like him in the action movie. I mean, I guess uh, what makes him, I guess, part of his appeal in his action flicks is uh, like Die Hard kind of created the uh, the everyman action hero. Yeah, like he's not some big muscle bound. Uh, he's like, not Stallone or Schwarzenegger or like Van Damme right. or anybody like the, that ilk. He's kind of like he's a wise cracking guy. He looks like he's got the receding hairline. He looks like he could be me or yeah. you in Nakatomi Tower. Yeah. So more relatable. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Like, I guess for my rankings, I always like, I always, I consider Bruce Willis an actor that does action movies versus like, and like an action star. Like, I, I don't know. That's just, that's just me. Okay. But, uh, still fantastic actor. It's, it sucks. We're not going to get any more Bruce Willis stuff. It's kind yeah. of, it's really sad that his career ended with the, uh, the direct, uh, VOD trash that he was putting out over the last couple of years, just so his, uh, agents can get a, a quick paycheck out of him. Yeah. That's, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, well, the, uh, tail of the tape, we'll get into the categories here. I uh, don't want to dwell on, uh, Bruce Willis not being able to do movies anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of a downer, <laughs> but we'll celebrate what we do love about Bruce. Uh, and that's, uh, him as John McClane, the tail of the tape. Die Hard two was released on July 4th, 1990. This stars Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, William Sadler, Art Evans, Fred Dalton Thompson, Franco Nero, Dennis Franz, among a ton of people that, you know, you end up becoming kind of big stars later on. I completely yeah. forgot that Robert Patrick is in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah this is pre-Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right. the one that uh, when they go to the Annex Skywalk. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, there he's one of the the painters that ends up killing like uh, uh, the airport SWAT team. Yeah, but um, and John Leguizamo's in this too. He is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, it's not in my notes, but uh, when I was researching this movie. He was supposed to have a bigger role in this movie, but it got cut because uh his height, which is the weirdest thing. Really? Yeah. That is weird. But um this was directed by uh Rennie Harlan, uh Rotten Tomatoes score of seventy percent from critics and seventy percent from audiences. The consensus was it lacks the fresh thrills of its predecessor, but Die Hard Two still works as an over the top and reasonably tout big budget sequel with plenty of set pieces to paper over the plot deficiencies, which I could agree with Um, box office uh, budgeted between 62 and $70 million, depending on what you've read. I've read kind of a bunch of different figures, but uh, gross $240 million. So it actually did more business than the original Die Hard. And uh, this didn't win any awards and you can stream this right now on Hulu. Do it, do it now, actually. Listen to us first. And yeah, then listen to this, and then go over to Hulu. Which, uh, yeah, a lot of the right. movies we do are, uh, don't seem to pop up on Hulu too often. That's, uh, it's usually like Paramount Plus or Max or something. So, yeah, shout out to Hulu. Yeah. Coming through. Uh, did you know? These are some uh, fun little facts and tidbits uh, regarding Die Hard 2 uh, behind the scenes. Uh, John McTiernan the director of the original Die Hard was originally tabbed to direct the sequel, but he could not due to his commitments to another action classic from the early nineties, the hunt for Red October. Yeah. Excellent movie. Uh, yeah, we need to do that one at some point. Yeah. I mean, Sean Connery, I'm not buying his Russian accent for one minute, <laughs> but it's still a fucking fantastic movie. If Sean um, Connery's in it. I'm willing to watch anything with Sean Connery. In it. Yeah, up until his last couple of movies, totally. Yeah. And speaking of people that did not get to end their career on a high note, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Man. Yeah. No, that was that was pretty. That was pretty abysmal. Yeah. That's a that's a womp womp womp. Uh, this. This movie was based on a novel by Walter Hager or Walter. Yeah. Walter wager. Actually, it looks like it's in my notes. I probably misspelled his name at uh, title 58 minutes, which borrows the plot of die Hard, or die Hard Two borrows the plot from this novel, which uh, a cop is uh, waiting for his daughter to land terrorists take over an airport while his uh, daughter circling above Waiting mm-hmm. to uh, waiting to land. This movie was originally rated NC seventeen due to its due to its excessive violence. I'll get it right sometime tonight, guys. Uh, it managed to finally get an R rating after uh, going through uh, numerous edits. That must have been real early on in the uh, NC seventeen faces. Uh, I know. I think that got introduced in early ninety. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and this one came out in ninety. Yeah, yeah. July fourth. Yeah, so like that's NC seventeen was in its uh, infant stages. Yeah, 
Uh, speaking of editing, Die Hard 2, uh, director Rennie Harlan was editing his film The Adventures of Ford Fairlane at the same time he was editing Die Hard 2. Ford Fairlane actually finished shooting two months before filming on Die Hard 2 began. And for some reason, Fox decided it was a good idea to give it a uh, short window from the time it was greenlit to the time it was released. They gave it seven months to get done. Wow. And then uh, I know the release date jumped a couple of times. It was uh, the, I think it was June 22nd. No, it's June 27th. It got bumped to June 22nd, and then they moved it to July 4th. And it was uh, finished, completely finished, two weeks before it was released. Which I believe they call that in the I believe they call that in the movie biz a wet print. Yeah. (laughs) So if you learn anything from this podcast tonight, it's that uh, movie. Yeah, a movie that gets done and then rushed to movie theaters. It's called a wet print. I'm not giving you the history on why. Sounds kind of gross. Because the, the ink is still wet, I would imagine. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like that'd be a term for like a porno movie, too. <laughs> I'm sure that if you look it up, there's like probably a porno title called wet print. And it has to do with the movie business. It's rule 34, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, General Esperanza, who is one of the villains in this movie, uh, hails from the fictitious South American country called Valverde, which uh, screenwriter Steven DeSouza also used in the 1985 Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Commando. Okay. Which uh, Valverde is coming back up later on. Just uh, keep that keep that in the back of your head. Okay. Uh, there is a various, very notorious made for TV cut of this movie. There are scenes where, uh, profanity laced lines are changed and redubbed with voice actors that sound nothing like the actors they are replacing. And most infamously, this has the, uh, at the end, uh, Bruce Willis utters his infamous catchphrase from Die Hard, yippee ki motherfucker, but it's dubbed on the TBS version as yippee ki Mr. Falcon. Mr. Falcon. If you go on YouTube, uh, I just I wanted to hear him say it because it always cracks me up to hear him say it. I went on YouTube and there's like a whole like it's like a ten minute YouTube video of nothing but the fucking redubbed uh, scenes from Die Hard Two that they used on TBS. What do they uh, do? They redub uh, the guy calling him Pinko. That wasn't on the uh, the video that I had seen. Okay. But um, the scene um, right before uh, Major Grant shows up, and uh, yeah, no, it's I think it's the scene uh, where Bruce Willis unloads on uh, Dennis Francis' character with the blanks. Mm-hmm. Right before that, when he's trying to explain to him what happened, and he's breathing real heavy. The guy that dubbed the voice is trying to do the same thing, but it sounds he's like and he's like. You got sh- crap for brains or something like that. He just utters this really like cheesy line, but like he even sounds out of breath, very weird. I highly He's recommend it. Just look, yeah, just look up <laughs> Die Hard TV cut on YouTube, and like there's the video. It's it's hilarious. It's a good it's a good ten minute time waster. If you're like just bored, just watch it. It's fucking fantastic. 
Sounds like something I'll be watching very soon. You should. The uh, naked Tai Chi scene with Colonel Stewart was shot at the very end of the movie or filming in order to give actor William Sadler enough time to get in shape before appearing nude in the scene. Okay. You ever done naked Tai Chi? No. Yeah. Mm -mm. I've never done fully clothed uh, Tai Chi, let alone naked Tai Chi. I don't think I've done fully clothed any kind of martial arts, let alone naked martial arts. I think for a brief period when I was younger, when I was, uh, you know, in my like a 10, 11 year old kid, like I, I tried to be, you know, like Jean-Claude Van Damme or Chuck Norris and like try to practice roundhouse kicks. And I think the only thing that I, I accomplished out of that was like, I went through more pants than I should have. Cause like I would try the, the high leg kick and I ended up splitting the crotch of them out. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, every kid goes through that, that phase of like trying to be a Ninja Turtle or a Power Ranger or an action hero. I mean, you know. Well, any of you kids listening to this or an adult, you could be an adult and you just, you fantasize about being a ninja or like, you know, uh, like a Ninja Turtle, something like that. If you're going to do that, wear pants that like stretch. Like khakis and jeans, they just don't work. Great. Sweatpants. You are going to go ahead. Sweatpants are your friend. That's all I'm saying. You're you're gonna practice right. like karate. Sweatpants are your friend. And if you're gonna be a ninja turtle and you wanna argue that they don't wear pants, so you don't wear pants, just don't do it in public so you get arrested. Right, yeah. Do do that. Put take the blinds down, you know, like <laughs> draw the curtains, pull them, pull them shut, do that at home. Have at it, man. Just do, do your naked Tai Chi. Yeah, reenact Colonel Stewart in the privacy of your own home. No one wants to see your swinging dick on in the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, last one I got, uh, fun fact. This movie by far has the biggest body count in the series with over 270 deaths. Now, of course, 230 of those were from the Windsor Airlines plane crash, which uh, watching this back is absolutely fucking horrifying. Oh yeah, to watch now. They're innocent people, and yeah, no, they they went hard in that in that scene, and it's kind of it's kind of sad to watch. You know what I noticed though, like after this plane crash happened, how everyone inside Dulles Airport just goes about their business, well, like nothing fucking happened. Like two hundred and what was it? Two hundred thirty. Two hundred. Yeah, I think it's like two hundred thirty people were on that plane. It's just like, well, you know, fuck it. Like, I just wish this plane would hurry up and get here. You know, like I've, I would really like to get back home to Minnesota. <laughs> fuck the the two hundred and thirty people that just perished in an airplane. Um, like you, if I'm at a gate, oh, uh, if I'm at a gate waiting for a plane and I'm looking out the window and I see just a giant fireball where a plane used to be. I'm not going to be at the airport anymore. I am finding the first Hertz rental car booth and I'm fucking making a beeline right for it. Right. <laughs> well, actually, no, I'd probably just run out of the fucking airport. Like I'm gone. Like, yeah, I'm getting an Uber somewhere. I'll, I'll pick my phone. I'm just, I'm walking until an Uber finds me. Well, in 1990, there is no Uber. There's no cell phone. So we'd have been fucked. We would have been rescued well, like five days. Yeah, we'd have been re- like 
we would have been rescued five days later by like a Sherpa and fucking snow dogs. Yeah, that's true. But we we'd be in uh, Washington D.C., so that would be really funny to see a yeah. Sherpa and snow dog. Yeah, that would have been like the the rough the recut Die Hard two and a half. <laughs> uh, did you have any fun facts uh, you wanted to contribute before what? we move on? As uh, as I always do, I found some goofs in the movie, and a couple of these are mine. A couple of these are ones that I've figured out later on in my research, um, and then went back and watched just to see if they are correct. Um, but as I was watching this uh, this last time, which I actually just finished it up at work today. Um, Good use of work time. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Most of it was at, at lunch, and then the rest of it was at the end of the day, so it's it's fine. Um, the uh, scene where uh, John uh, gets in Esperanza's plane and um, they're shooting at him and he's in the cockpit. He's locked in there because they uh, threw the axe in the in the door. And then they're like, well, how many grenades you guys got? Three each. And then they throw their grenades in there. Um, each one of those grenades, I actually looked it up, uh, is... A specific type of grenade that goes off in about five to seven seconds. And he spends like 30 plus seconds getting into that seat and pulling the eject uh, lever on that seat. So he would have been dead. That's just, yeah, they took way too long with that scene. I don't know whether or not it was for dramatic effect or the fact they wanted to throw a crap ton of grenades in there. But I think the biggest thing would have been a real fucking bummer. You're going to see. Bruce Willis come back as John McClane. He gets killed like an hour into the movie. <laughs> That's true. I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. He should have climbed in that that seat a little bit faster. Yeah. I noticed it while I was watching the movie, for, and I was like, "There's no way he climbed in that seat, and they didn't go off." Mm. But you know, um, and uh, there's a certain point where um, he comes out of a manhole on uh, the runway. Um, they don't have manholes on runways. <laughs> it's, it's not that's not a thing. They don't run any uh, pipes under runways. They're not supposed to. That's just that's not a thing. But you know, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, and uh, when he comes out of that grate, um, the uh way that the plane is landing uh, it looks like it's it's gonna like roll into the grate but when they cut to the next scene it's actually on um like the the tracks of the plane are way far away from the grate they're like feet away from the grate mm-hmm. instead of right on track with the grate um there's a couple of scenes like that where the plane uh doesn't make any tracks in the snow and it doesn't make any sense but hey um, all Die Hard Two is trying to get you to do is like get. They're just trying to get you from one action po- uh, scene to the next. Fucking plot, be damned. Right. Well, see, that's that's why this only got a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes versus a an eighty or ninety percent. True. <laughs> uh, but uh, the last couple I have are uh, to do with the the fuel at the end. Um. So there's a fuel dump uh, port on the wing that John pulls to make it uh, dump all the fuel out, and uh, he lights it on fire. Um, 
that fuel dump port is manual, which never really happens, but there is a manual release on some. So I'll give them that. But uh, it's also way too far up on the wing. And so they're able to get it pulled off and uh, get the fuel dumps from the top of the wing when usually it's by the engine. Which if you were by the engine when it's on and you're trying to dump fuel, then you're going to be dead. Speaking of which, that when he uh, when I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but when he goes into the um, the engine and he dies, the the bad guy, Major Graham from the army. Yeah, that's that's he, that's uh, John Amos from Good Times. Put some respect on that name. <laughs> okay, I I will put some respect <laughs> on that name. I'll try and remember it next time. Uh, but that would have blown up the uh, the engine or made it stop. There's no way an entire human goes through a plane engine and it just continues to run fine. Doesn't make any sense. Has it been proven? I mean, I'm pretty sure that when you fly through a flock of birds and it malfunctions, a human probably make it malfunction too. It'd be the bones. (laughs) It's the bones, man. Look at the bones. Um, the uh, last thing that I had was the uh, still with the fuel um, uh, jet engine fuel burns hotter than regular gasoline. So it would have taken more than just a lighter to light it on fire, but then we wouldn't have had a cool explosion. So and we would have never have gotten that one Yippee-ki-yay, too. Mr. Falcon. Exactly. All right. Um, the Martin Scorsese. This is Cinema Award for the best scene of the movie is actually my favorite scene is the fight sequence on the top or outside the plane between John McClane and then Major Grant and then Colonel Stewart. Yeah. It's not so much the fight scene. It's kind of like, okay, you know, I, I have to throw away logic that John McClane could get the best of, well, he didn't really get the best of Major or Colonel Stewart, but he, I mean, Major Grant seems like he's a kind of a badass if he's leading a battalion. And yeah, McLean gets the best of at the end. Yeah, but uh, Plus for, they, they, they kind of like each other a little bit. So, well, apparently, I was reading that uh, John Amos and Bruce Willis do not like each other in real life. Like, they uh, well, they pull it up on screen, uh, at least like the love hate relationship. Apparently, there was some tension, and during an interview, uh, John Amos has some uh some uh, choice words. I didn't quite catch what was said or what happened, but yeah, apparently them two didn't get along. Um, but I think well, it, for me, it's my favorite scene simply because like, that's the first time I'd ever seen like, like a plane, like basically the fuel is draining out of the plane and somebody just fucking throws a lighter down and it blows the plane up. Also bonus points for the fact that that flame catches the airplane before it takes off. And it manages yeah. to like basically like shoot up, fly up, yeah, yeah, into the air to blow the plane up. That was fucking. That's movie magic right there. Like I have no explanation how that happens. So any yeah. of you science nerds can help me out and figure out how that happens. But you also said that uh, a lighter wouldn't light uh, yeah. plane fuel that quick, anyway. So you've kind of even debunked it even more, but. Still, it's a fantastic yeah. scene. Um, it is. And uh, a young me, 
might've been eight or nine. And I was still playing with GI Joe's at the time. I would have totally tried to reenact that sequence playing with my GI Joe figures. Get a, a aerosol can of something like hairspray and, <laughs> you know, like I would say that I would encourage that, but my mom, God bless her soul would have probably not caught on to the fact she might've been missing a, uh, a can of air, like hairspray. And yeah, my grandparents uh, used to smoke all like both of them were like heavy smokers. So there was lighters around my house all the time. I could have easily done that. But then like, I would have also ruined one of my, uh, my GI Joe airplanes by doing that. I don't know if I wanted to make that sacrifice to recreate that scene. So I would just pretend. And there you go. All right. What do you got for your favorite scene of the movie? So my favorite scene in the movie is, um, uh, the uh, assault or the attack on the church. Um, that was a good one too. That was almost my number one. Yeah. The, uh, my favorite, my favorite part of that scene is just the icicle to the eye. It's just so unexpected. And uh, I, I don't know what it is about. Like, that's what I like about um, the, uh, the Bourne movies too, where Jason Bourne just takes anything that's around him and fights with it. I think that's the coolest thing about that fight sequence is that, you know, John McClane's just grasping for anything. And then he's like, okay, icicle. And then bam, right into his eye. So cool. Was it that, uh, the dude that played meat and porkies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a beautiful, like underground, like world bending experience that uh meat from Porky's ends up going into the military and be <laughs> joins like this joins this battalion of uh I guess disgruntled uh military personnel that wants to free this drug lord from a fictitious country. It's in the same universe. Yeah, I, I would I would have never I would have never put that he, to me, like meat would have been like a, a cop, maybe a mechanic or something like that, but not like fucking special forces. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't but like yeah, the that, fact he shot that fucking old man in the church. Yeah. That kind of bums me out every time I see it when that fucking old guy's minding his own business, sitting there eating. Yeah. I'm guessing that looks like maybe he might have treated himself to a bowl of French onion soup. Or maybe that was vegetable yeah. soup. I don't know. But yeah, he's like, oh, PCB's going to die along with his church. And he just turns around and gets fucking gunned down. Yeah, that's that's a little sad. But I will I will give him I will give him bonus points for his acting because his arm was up in the air and then he slowly just like lets it drop. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, good some good, you, that's some good death acting right there. Um, I would say uh, we give it to the, the church uh, battle only because like that if they didn't have the cool way they blew the plane up, yeah, totally wouldn't have been uh, my favorite scene. It's my it's my favorite scene in the movie simply for the fact that like that's the coolest way to fucking like kill a bunch of bad guys at once. Yeah, I mean it's a I, the fight sequence in that in that scene is really cool, but like you still get the same kind of uh, adrenaline high from the fight sequences at the church. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, the, uh, Andy Dufresne get busy living or get busy dying award for the best or most quotable line of the movie. What did you have for that one? So 
every diehard has the same most quotable line. And I think we gave it to that same most quotable line for the last movie, um, which is yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a while since we did Die Hard, but yeah, that has to be it. But uh, uh, I was actually telling you uh, this before we started recording. I I don't know why. I just really like the line when he flicks his wedding ring and he says, it's just the facts, babe. Just the facts. Yeah. (laughs) That was kind of corny, but also like kind of funny at the same time. I personally like where he says uh, it. This is like this still this day doesn't happen in like sequels a lot, but where they're kind of self-aware of like the events of the previous movie where he says, how's the mm-hmm. same shit happen to the same guy twice? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one too. And I think it, it was in the uh, description of the movie as well. Right. Wrong I think place so. at the wrong time again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know in the, uh, the trailers, uh, Bonnie Bedelia actually says it too. Or she actually says it at the end of the movie, she's like, why does this keep happening to us? Yeah. But yeah, I think I, that, uh, go ahead. I'm just saying like, I just, I, I love how self-aware that line is. Cause like, I really hadn't seen anything like that prior to, and mm. it still doesn't seem like it's that big of a thing where they, I mean, in the Marvel universe, it's a little bit different, but, uh, like action movie sequels and stuff like they never really go back to it as much as they, you know, I just thought that's kind of a cool way to, tie one and two together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's one of the biggest, uh, complaints I have about, um, sequels is like when they tend not to acknowledge the, uh, movie previous. And I think they did a really good job of not like dwelling on that movie or like trying to make that movie, uh, part of the plot to make this one better, you know, because a lot of sequels try and do that too. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think they did a good job. Yeah. I don't know. What will we giving it to? Or is there like a, a third contender out there that we just haven't mentioned? Well, I, I do have a, um, an honorable mention. And I think it's uh, get that camera out of my face, you uh, pinko bitch. I think that's the line, right? <laughs> I had that one coming up next. We'll save it. <laughs> but that's the uh, that's the honorable mention. Uh, well, we'll just we'll give it to yours because it's kind of a, an intentionally cheesy line. Okay. It sounds like a very fifties, sixties thing to say. And it, uh, it kind of reminds me of like sh- like the TV show. Well, actually, it's from Dragnet. So yeah. But um, this next category is one that we don't normally incorporate that often, but uh, couldn't help it. It's the Paul Walker. I said, forget about a cut award for the most unintentionally hilarious line of the movie. And like you said, yeah, when uh, that reporter is coming up to Colonel Stewart, and I think that guy's name is Garber. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call him the eight men out guy. He played, I think he played Swede and eight men out. But um, she says, Colonel Stewart can have a couple words. And he says, yeah, I got two fucking you. And then Garber comes out of nowhere, puts his hand in the cameraman's face and I think you're the one that clarified this for me, but I thought for years that he says no pictures, you Pecos bitch. And I had no idea what that meant. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, is he making a reference to Pecos bill? Yeah, that's what, that's what I would think. But then like, uh, you told me he says pink or you looked it up when we, uh, 
at work yeah. one day. He said, no, he says pinko bitch. And I still don't know what that means. Yeah. I'm guessing it means it's a reference to communism. It is a reference to communism. Yeah. Okay. Calling her a communist. Okay. But yeah, like, that is, I I have nothing for that line. It just every time I hear it, it cracks me up. It's a good line. <laughs> uh, one that I found to be very confusing upon my uh, rewatch of this a couple days ago is when McLean is in uh, Dennis Franz's uh, office. Uh, he plays uh, mm-hmm. what's his character's name? Lorenzo, Captain Lorenzo. He's Lorenzo. in his office. Mm-hmm. And he basically, you know, they're they're arguing, and he says, "Hey, Lorenzo, let me ask you one thing: What sets off the uh, metal detectors first, the lead in your ass or the shit in your brains?" I have no idea what that means either. Like neither one of those yeah. would set off a metal detector. Yeah, no. And I mean, I, I know, get, I get, he's trying to insult lead, him. But... Yeah, but I still don't know. Like that comes across as like. It sounds like very like fifth grade, like a fifth grade insult. Yeah, I think maybe the lead is like he he sits down all day. I don't know. I, it's not really a, a good insult. <laughs> You're dumb and you sit down all day. Yeah. You don't do anything. That's like, uh, oh, what movie was that where he goes, your mom goes to college. <laughs> I I don't get it, but but yeah. um yeah, it's a bad insult. I think yeah, like the the pictures you pinko bitch has to be it. It it wins hands down. Kids, if someone's in your like in your personal bubble, or they you know like you have that annoying friend. Like we're coming on New Year's uh, here in a couple days. When you listen to this, New Year's will be a few days away. Obviously, there's going to be some booze involved. You're hanging out with your buddies. They want to take numerous selfies, and you're kind of getting tired of taking pictures. Feel free to use that. They're not going to have any fucking idea what it meant because I didn't know what it meant until a fucking year ago or a couple of years ago. So, yeah, feel free to use that one. And uh, if you do, if you do, let us know. I'm kind of curious if anybody uses that one. Um, the uh, unsolved mysteries of the movie. Uh, the only one that I had was uh, obviously people know who John McClane is throughout this movie. Uh, Captain Lorenzo makes a reference to him being the hero of Nakatomi, and Colonel Stewart even remembers him. But mm-hmm. John McClane's walking through the fucking like just Dulles international airport. I'm sure he has been interviewed numerous times on like the national news. He'd been on probably on NBC, CBS, ABC might've had a story on 60 minutes may have done like the talk show circuit, you know, is the hero that saved the knock, you know, the hostages at Nakatomi. I, I know we're not, this movie takes place. It's not the age of social media then, but no one recognizes him just walking through the airport. Like, Hey, that's fucking John McClane. Yeah. I think maybe one or two people should, but, um, to play devil's advocate again, like, uh, do you remember, uh, that guy that saved those, uh, women that were trapped in the basement of that, uh, like kidnappers house in Cleveland. Oh yeah. The, uh, 
what's his name? Ariel. Yeah. Oh, Ariel See, Castro, yeah. which not too proud that uh, our names sound kind of similar. <laughs> and just uh, for you, those of you listening, I first off, I don't have a basement. Second of all, I don't have anybody locked up in my house. That's good to know. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> and plus, his name has an, an R. His last name has an R in it. Mine doesn't. Big, big difference. Huge difference. If you see somebody with the last name of like that starts with like C A S T, and have an O, maybe show a little bit of concern. No R. Proceed. You're in the clear. Right. Go ahead. But uh, I would not remember uh, the guy offhand just walking through maybe like a mall or something. Like I, I, I could recognize him if I saw him in a YouTube video or on TV. But if we we're just walking through a mall, nah, probably not. You know, maybe it's the same for John. McCain. You said you wouldn't recognize the the guy that kidnapped those people. No, the the guy that the guy that saved. Them. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, yeah, that dude's not walking through a mall anytime soon, yeah. dude. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Let's hope not. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's a whole a whole other set of problems. You see that dude strutting through a, like a fucking uh, Macy's, looking for a fucking Instapot. Like, hey man, how you know how many uh, how much food this uh, how many people this cooks for? I got a lot of people I got cook for. A lot of people. We ain't ribs with this dude. No, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't have that on my bingo card today. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I guess, you know, you're just, you know, people walking through an airport kind of quickly. I can maybe kind of see it. Yeah. Just like you're but, not really paying attention. Just now, there's the no fucking way. And people are taking their selfies with him and like putting him on, like taking videos, putting them on TikTok. And, you know, yeah, there's no way he's getting to an airport now. Oh, yeah. No. It's so, with social media now, like people would instantly recognize him. He would be like a sensation. Dude, I just met the guy that saved the hostages at Nakatomi. No cap. I think I used that right. <laughs> I think so. I'm, I'm not sure either. <laughs> I don't. I give up trying to. I'm going to keep using my 90s lingo, like rad and gnarly. and So rad, man. Basically, anything you heard off Ninja Turtles, I probably still use. Got to get hit. Get hit to the lingo. <laughs> it it's too time consuming, man. Like uh our friend Will, he's been on the show uh quite a few times. When uh we all worked together, I had to ask him what a thought was. <laughs> Not like, you know, a thought like, hey, I had a thought, like, you know, right. Uh, you know, a, an idea pops in your head. Like a thought is like basically uh what did he tell me? It was a trifling ass bitch <laughs> or something like that. So Google says a woman that has many sex casual sexual encounters or relationships. Okay. He didn't explain it to me like that, but you know, he he had to tell me the definition of thought. <laughs> the only the only thing that I find enjoyment out of trying to learn like new like slang terms is the fact it embarrasses the shit out of my son whenever I use it. Oh man, that's the best. Oh, he gets so red. He just looks at me like, like he actually, whenever I say like anything like that, he goes, what? 
What are we talking about? I've been teasing him too. Uh, when he's at school, I'll say something like, uh, "Hey, uh, you go holler at that shouty." He's like, <laughs> he has no idea what I'm fucking talking about. It just embarrasses him, and that right there, like, that's a dad win. Oh man, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, did you have any uh, unsolved mysteries of the movie? Uh, basically, we're just saying that Bruce Willis walking to an airport. People yeah. are hustling, bustling. It's like a couple days before Christmas. People are probably not paying attention to see a celebrity in their midst. That's how we solve that mystery. But uh, do you have any? Yes, I do, actually. Okay. Um, the uh, planes have about 90 minutes of fuel, and they're at Dulles, or circling Dulles. They are very, uh, very short distance plane-wise away from Philadelphia and New York City. Why can't they land there? Uh, you actually just, uh, that's one of my burning questions. But uh, yeah, I know they said they shut down the Nashville airport. Yeah. But they didn't shut down any of the East Coast ones. At least they didn't say that in the movie. I'm guessing that what probably is happening is I'm betting the, uh, the Midwest and the Eastern seaboard are getting slammed with really bad weather. And Washington is probably... Uh, probably kind of on the uh, the tail end of it. Yeah. So I'm betting that the farther north you go, the further west you go, is probably worse weather-wise. Yeah, could be. That's the only thing I can figure out why uh, these planes are not getting diverted to other airports. But now that you, asked, you, you said that one, I've got another one I'm going to uh, save for the, the burning question segment. Kind of flip okay. around a little bit, but uh, that's what I think. It's just the fact that the weather is probably, probably like worse the further north you go. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have any hot takes regarding this movie. Uh, the hot takes, uh, hot off the skillet takes, uh, presented by our friends at Cracker Barrel. Uh, if you're in the mood for uh, breakfast anytime. Hit up the Cracker Barrel. They also serve booze now. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, definitely hit up uh, our friends at Cracker Barrel. But I didn't really have any hot takes for this one. Um, you know, for the uh, uh, very small chance that I could get some free booze and cornbread for this uh, this hot take from our friends at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> uh, I think that this movie is the weakest uh, movie out of the original Die Hard trilogy before they made the last two. All right. Well, now you just stepped on burning questions again. I should, I, oh. we should probably, like, I should just start sharing my notes beforehand, um, but we'll just get yeah, into it now. Did, um, I, I, I think you did share your notes, but I'm, I'm apparently not remembering them well. It's okay. Like I talked, I say shit to my wife all the time and then she never pays attention to me anyways. I shouldn't expect my co-host to be any different. <laughs> I'm sorry. My professional spouse is not different than my actual spouse. Um, all right, we'll just get into it now though. Um, uh, one of the burning questions I have is uh, Die Hard 2, the best of the Die Hard sequels. And I, I know... Neither uh, you or I are big fans of uh, a good day to die hard, but uh, 
Yeah. It's not as bad as some sequels like Rocky Five and what have you. So I'm gonna put it in there. Um I still prefer uh Die Hard with a Vengeance over Die Hard Two, but uh rewatching mm-hmm. Die Hard Two recently, the gap is a lot closer than I used to used to have it. Yeah, same with me too. I, I didn't really remember how well I liked it until I watched it over again. Yeah, I I for me it used to be it was like Die Hard One, huge gap to Die Hard or Live or Die Hard with a Vengeance, then a huge gap to Die Hard Two. And then like mm-hmm. it was uh live free or die hard than the last one. But uh I think that's a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh after it came out, uh Die Hard with a Vengeance was on fucking TV all the time. So I mean I shit, I've probably seen that movie fifty times, just bits and pieces of it on TV. So mm-hmm. like I've it's always a little bit fresher in my memory. And I haven't really visited Die Hard 2 in a while, so... But, I mean, like the critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is correct. Like, plot, yeah. kind of paper thin. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of the villains. Neither am I. I think it's because they have two. If they just would have mm-hmm. had one primary one, I'd be cool with it. But they end up at the end, there's three. Yeah. I think that's a bit overkill. It is. But I think the set piece, like the action sequences are awesome in this one. Like they're really, really good. Oh, for sure. And yeah. uh I mean this is Bruce. It seems like they let him uh kind of cook a little bit more in this one. He's a little bit more uh he's you know, wisecracking a little bit more in this one and you know mm-hmm. a little bit faster witted John McClain. But yeah, I do remember uh this one not liking it as much, but when I revisited a couple days ago, it's like, yeah, this one's actually pretty fucking good. Yeah. I didn't remember how much I liked it. And I think the only reason that I, I put it lower than uh, uh, one and three is just, uh, like you said, the villains aren't that great on one. We get one of the best action villains of all time. I think anyways, in my opinion, it's Hans Gruber. Um, I'm going to do you one better. I, I think Hans, like Alan Rickman's Hans Gruber, is one of the best movie villains. Period, regardless of genre. I would put him in my top, like my Mount Rushmore of movie villains. Hans Gruber's mm-hmm. right there. Oh yeah, he's Hans been copied great. so many times since Die Hard, and to me, that's mm-hmm. that's the sign of an like a iconic performance. Is if you have like redone the template and like everybody copies you. Yeah, I think the closest was Lithgow's uh, villain in uh, Cliffhanger. He's fucking yeah. awesome, at Cliffhanger. That's 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 pure like that's top top notch Lithgow. But we'll save that for the Cliffhanger episode. Right, but um, you go from Hans Gruber to these guys, and it's just it's not as good. And then, but we get uh, we get Jeremy Irons in three, and he's good as Hans Gruber's brother. And the fact that they tie him to Hans Gruber gives him a little bit of a boost too, I guess, but it's also Jeremy Irons. So, right. <laughs> yeah. That's at, I mean, no offense to uh, William Sadler who I, I love is like one of those like B B actors. Uh, I a huge fan of his work. And then uh Franco Nero 
spaghetti western, spaghetti or Italian movie icon. I don't know. And then like John Amos, like I said, the owner of McDowell's in Coming to America. He was the dad in good times, like top notch, top, top TV dad. But like, yeah, the three of them together just didn't work for me quite as well. Right. Um, well, uh, since that's kind of your hot take, uh, we'll move on to uh, the Hall of Fame plaque. Uh, if the following people were inducted into a movie Hall of Fame, would this particular movie be featured on their Hall of Fame plaque? Now, I've only got two. Uh, Bruce Willis, I'd obviously say no. I think it would be the original yeah. Die Hard. Um, although, I think some consideration for uh, Butch and Pulp Fiction... Uh, I forget the the uh, character's name, but uh, the Doctor in the Sixth Sense, which I think is oh, Bruce yeah. Willis's biggest hit, like box office wise, is the Sixth Sense. Yeah, probably. Um, but no, I think it has to be the original Die Hard. Yeah, for sure. Original Die Hard would be on uh, Mount Rushmore, but not this one. Second person I have, very interesting. I have uh, director Rennie Harlan. Now, before I get into whether I think this movie would be, I'm just going to run down uh, some of his accomplishments real quick. Uh, Rennie Harlan, Ford Fairlane, obviously not. Uh, he did Cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. He did Die Hard 2. He did The Long Kiss Goodnight. He did Deep Blue Sea, underrated shark film. It's so fucking over the top. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it has one of my yeah. favorite movie scenes of all time featuring Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and he managed to direct a movie featuring his then wife, Gina Davis, that bankrupted Carlico Pictures and cut Third Island. Well, okay. Which Carlico Pictures, uh, frame of reference, they in the night early late eighties, early nineties, they had done Terminator Two, they'd done Basic Instinct, they'd done Total Recall. So they had some hits under their belt. And one movie just fucking wrecked and sank the entire studio. And it was directed by Rennie yes. Harlan. So what would be on Rennie Harlan's Hall of Fame plaque? Um you know, Maybe I really like Cliffhanger, but I don't know. Yeah, probably not this movie. Probably not this movie because, like, there there are other ones that are that are better of his, in my opinion. Right. Um, I think his best movie is probably The Long Kiss Goodnight. I fucking adore that movie. Yeah. I really wish they would have gotten more votes for our Christmas poll, but uh. We'll have to revisit that one sometime. Yeah. Um, I think it has to be Cliffhanger. Um, I know for one, it kind of pulled uh, Stallone's career out of the gutter. Because mm-hmm. uh, Stallone had been kind of in a funk. Uh, pretty much uh, Tango and Cash was like, as much as I love Tango and Cash, it was a little bit of a, a box office disappointment. Then he decided to do comedy. 
He did Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and Oscar, which Oscar is a fucking train wreck. That movie fucking sucks. <laughs> have you ever seen it? No, I don't think I have. He Maybe. plays this uh he plays this uh mob boss. His name's uh Angelo Snaps Provolone. And he's trying to he's trying to go legitimate and he's got all this shit like coming at him at the same time. His wife is pregnant. He's got like all these business deals that are trying to go down and it just it's horrible. And it's one of those movies I seen in a movie theater. Yeah. That I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I've seen it in a movie theater. But you stayed for the whole thing. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I had to. Like that movie came out like ninety one, so I mean, yeah. mom and dad ain't picking me up until <laughs> the movie's over. <laughs> but I think it has to be cliffhanger simply because it's like yeah, a fucking cool. awesome, awesome action movie too. Like I said, uh, it's got John Lithgow doing the best Tom's Gruber out of any of these diehard on a blank movies. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's uh cliffhanger. Although, I mean, the, the dude did bring, a shark jumps out of the water to eat Samuel Jackson in Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. I I need to rewatch that movie. It's such a such a good bad movie. It's so cheesy. It is. Uh, I think next time we do like uh, a bad good mo- a good bad movie, maybe we'll do that mm-hmm. one because that one's like peak fucking like it like has the budget of Jaws, but it kind of has some of the outrageousness of Sharknado. Not quite on Sharknado's level. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been it's, a movie where sharks are tornadoes, but you get my drift. It's a healthy medium between the two, Sharknado right. and Joan. Um, all right, the uh, the burning questions. Uh, we've eliminated one, which is, uh, is Die Hard 2 the best Die Hard sequel? Uh, we have decided that it is not. It's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Um, first one, uh, you you asked the question, uh, why didn't they try to send some of these planes that are low on fuel to different airports? I think we solved that. It could be the weather. It could be worse the further north he went. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bigger question is uh, Washington, D.C., one of the biggest cities in the United States. It is the capital of the United States, like of the whole country. You mean to tell me there's only one airport in Washington, D.C.? I don't, I don't think so. I think there's two. Uh, there's I, two. I mean, I think, I think really there's, there's a couple, at least two. But in this movie, it seems like Dulles International Airport is the only airport in Washington, D.C., Okay, so there are five airports in Washington D.C. Two of them, two of them are on the Virginia side, and um, there's two on uh, the Maryland side, and then of course there is uh, Dulles. And that's that's so, a real airport, right? It's not like a made up. Yeah, it's a, it's a real airport. Because I know they made up the airlines themselves, like the planes, because yeah. the uh, airline industry didn't want to be frowned upon in a bad light Die Hard 2. But 
None of these planes could have been diverted to a different airport in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, honestly, if uh, once they got a hold of that uh, that beacon, like, just like, all right, we'll send you guys to, you know, Northern Virginia International Airport. Boom, you're done. Hey. Fuck you, Colonel Stewart. Yeah. We got you now. Give him the crotch chop when you said it. <laughs> Even though he'd never see it, just go like, boom, gotcha. Exactly. All right. Best corrupt Valverde leader. Esperanza from Die R2 or President Arias from Commando? I'm going to go with uh, President Arias from Commando. Because Esperanza is kind of uh, weak in this. Well, he did manage to choke out uh, his guard. And he flew an airplane with a fucking hole in the window. I'm going with Esperanza on this one. I didn't see Arias doing that. He just blackmailed uh, Matrix to fucking kill. uh, uh, Shit, I I can't believe it. I fucking love Commando as a kid, and I can't think of fucking... uh, Schwarzenegger's name in that. But yeah, he convinced Matrix to fucking kill Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie. So I'm going to give it to uh, Esperanza simply because of his. I mean, he managed to round up a bunch of like just disgruntled, pissed off U.S. military and he fucking shot the pilot and the co pilot and still flew the airplane successfully landed said airplane with a hole in the window and it's fucking snowing yeah okay you've convinced me bonus points he's got a fantastic beard true and uh he has a very good use of um spanish uh vulgarities in this movie he does he he has commanded the spanish language well uh, the last one I have is uh, when John McClane unloads that uh, clip of blanks in Captain Lorenzo's office. I'm not only asking if the character did it, I'm asking if the actor playing the character did it. Dennis France shit his pants in that scene. Because I would have been, been close. I mean, I would have. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm sure the character did. Like, oh, you know, that New York accent. Like, oh, damn it, the Shriners are going to come here, and I've got fucking poop in my pants. But, I mean, if I was acting that, too, like, I probably would have been close, even though I knew that these are are fake. When I shot, why did I, when I shot these blanks, why did they smell like shit? Yeah. Because he looks flustered when he (laughs) loves that fucking clip. I mean, he almost empties the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure uh, Lorenzo no. did, but you know what? He's he is exactly. he is turning the tide on his feelings towards John McClane, and he's got a fucking airport to save. So, right, no time for poop in the pants. I've got to fucking help save the day. Um, that's uh, that's all we got for this uh, this one, man. Uh. I think uh, next episode we'll uh, try to trot out some new categories, give them a little test run. Yeah. 
Okay. See what uh, we think. Uh, what but, um, kind of categories are you thinking about? Uh, I don't know. I'll uh, discuss them with you uh, sometime uh, during the week. I don't want to spoil it for the kids. Yeah. Keep but, it uh, a keep it a a good surprise for our our yeah. listeners. Yeah. I want to keep it a hundred when they listen to it. I'm sure <laughs> I just fucked that all up, but oh well. Um, <laughs> anything you want to add before we wrap it up? Um, you know, uh, I would uh, definitely recommend um, if you have watched a big string or a franchise of movies um, to give the earlier sequels a shot because maybe sometimes they're not as bad as you think. Um, I mean, this one's a good example. Uh, Temple of Doom uh, is a good example. Um, Even some of the Star Wars movies, like the uh, prequel movies, (laughs) after watching the sequel movies, you know, not not as bad anymore. That's If you look at it in that light, yeah, I was going to say I'm not revisiting Attack of the Clones (laughs) at all. No, no, no. I'll but, watch. I'll just no. watch the fucking Yoda scene on YouTube. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. We'll give it. We'll give it to that one. But um, that movie rocks. you know, just, just uh, yeah, definitely. If you're listening to this podcast, go back to a sequel that you don't think you you like, and then uh, rewatch it. Maybe you'll like it. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, you know, Christmas. A lot of people. You know, uh, it's uh, split pretty much on the the Die Hard is uh, Christmas movie camp. But hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what time of year it is. Always a good time to revisit the Die Hard movies. And uh, I think once you watch one, it's kind of like Pringles. Like you want to watch two, and they're like, "Oh fuck it, I'll watch three. Which, yeah. if anything, for three, watch it for the Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson's chemistry in that movie is off the fucking charts. Like those two yeah, are fucking awesome together. So. Recommended for that. Uh, and hey, check out Live Free or Die Hard. Uh, surprised by how well I enjoyed that one too. So um, yeah, go watch uh, the Die Hard movies if you got time. I mean, fuck, I know a lot of you lucky bastards are off for a whole week during Christmas <laughs> so you can do something in your free time. I mean, you want to spend time with your, like, your families. That's Just go hold, like hide out in the fucking room and watch movies all day. And listen to the Couch Potato Podcast. And speaking of which... Uh, friends, you can follow us on the social medias. Uh, we do have the links in the show description below. If you dig what we're doing here on the program, please take a brief moment and write us a five-star review on Apple helps us get discovered. So if anyone searches on the Apple podcast, did Dennis Franz shit his pants and die hard too? might bring up this episode. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but, uh, it does help us get discovered in search results. Uh, you can also leave us a star review on Spotify. It's pretty cool. I uh, would enjoy that. Uh, have any questions, concerns, shoot us an email. Uh, and we do drop new episodes every week. So be sure to follow us, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. So you don't miss out on the latest episodes. And one last thing, I uh, hope everyone has a very safe and happy new year. So, until next year. Ha <laughs> ha. One day. <laughs> One to use that joke. We will talk at you guys later. <laughs>